You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to the Better Power Podcast Network. This is the Daily Hammer. I am your host, Stephen Tolbert, sitting in once again for Sean Coleman, who's normally in this spot. And for tonight's episode, I wanted to talk a little bit about the Braves rotation, where it's currently at and where it's going and, and some of the some of the intricacies and interesting points that are coming up with the Braves rotation. If if you listen to the podcast to be named later, which Brad and I did on Wednesday night, then you know that him and I kind of touched on this a little bit, but you know, when you're doing a full show like that, you can you only have time to go into so much when before you have to move on to the next topic. And there was more to get to there that we just didn't have time for. And since I'm doing this show for, for Sean for the Daily Hammer, then I thought this was a good opportunity to go over it a little bit more in depth and talk about each guy and, and where they currently stand and, and what the future, you know, the at least in, you know, the short term and, and maybe even a little bit into the long term, wh- what the future holds and, and where this rotation is is looking like it's going to be over the next couple of years. So, yeah, we're going to jump in that tonight. So the obvious place to start is Max Freed, right? Like that's the that that's the biggest question coming up because Max, if you don't know, if you're living under a rock or maybe don't follow the team all that closely, Max has got one more season of team control after this year. So he's, you know, a little over 14, 15 months of, of team control left before he's a free agent. The will he or will they, won't they extension stuff has, has kind of turned towards Max. You know, they, they went through the whole saga with Freddie and then they went through the whole saga with Dansby. And just like those guys, if you don't have an extension done by a certain point, then it's very natural to wonder if this player is going to be around for the long term. Obviously the Braves MO has been to lock guys up as early as possible to get these team friendly extensions or even, you know, more neutral extensions done as fast as possible. They did it. They've obviously done it with a lot of their younger players. They did it with Acuna. They did it with Strider. They did it with Harris, but they've also done it with veteran players, right? Like as soon as Sean Murphy came over, they did one with him. As soon as Matt Olson came over, they did one with him. Um, Austin Riley got one three years into his career. So it, they've kind of, it's a kind of across the spectrum that they've done these extensions. And the question for the last, really since Dansby left, I mean, all eyes were on Freddie and then all eyes were on Dansby. And now since Dansby left, 
all eyes are on Max, and that's where we are. And my view of the situation, and I'm, I'm not reporting anything here, I don't have any inside sources, but my kind of read of the situation is I would, if I was a Braves fan, and I am, but if I was talking to other Braves fans, I would probably tell them that they need to enjoy the next 14, 15 months of Max Freed because, you know, I don't think I don't think they're going to get an extension done with him. He's going to be an older free agent. He's going to be 31 when he reaches free agency because he had a, you know, he was a slow starter. He had a some big injuries when he was a prospect that slowed down his timeline and he didn't get up till he was 25, 26. And so as he gets to the end of his service time, he's going to be on the wrong side of 30. And look, that's that's dangerous territory when you're talking about extending a starting pitcher. They're built different than than position players. They have a different kind of aging curve, if you will, and they don't hold up the same way. And I don't want to compare Steven Strasburg to Max Fried because it's not going to be the same size contract, of course. But with all the Strasburg stuff in the news lately, it is important to remember that starting pitchers just carry inherently more risk. And when you get up into 30 and above, it's even it's even riskier. And then you add in the fact that Max has already had an elbow scare this year. Um, he's already had Tommy John surgery once in his career. It, it It's very difficult to do these deals without taking on a tremendous amount of risk. And the kind of risk that Alex has really shown no interest in taking since he's become, you know, the, the VP or GM or whatever his title is these days, you know, he runs baseball ops for the Braves. And ever since he's taken that job, he's I'm not going to say he's been risk averse because I think that's unfair. I think he does take risk at times, but not to the level that it would take to sign Max Reed to the type of extension that I think it's going to require. Um, Max is the union rep for the Braves. I'm sure he's been very, very reluctant to take any sort of real hometown discount um, like a lot of the other guys have, and that's understandable. And I don't ever expect a player to take a discount to 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 play with any team. You know, I don't I don't, I don't really think that's fair um, because these guys have a very short amount of time where they can earn money, and I never blame any of them for going for top dollar. But yeah, if Max makes it, makes it to free agency, and I think he will, then the chances of the Braves having the best offer are, are pretty much zero, just like it was with Freddie, and just like it was with Dansby. Um, that's just the nature of it. So. And if you don't get an extension done, probably in the next, I mean, honestly, in the next probably six months before spring, or at least before opening day next year, then it's just going to go down the same path that it did with Freddie and Dansby. So yeah, I, I don't see an extension happening. And because of that, there's a decent chance. I mean, there's a, there's a decent, maybe better than decent chance, maybe a good chance that we're approaching the end of the Max Fried era in Atlanta. We're not going to do a, a whole thing about that now, obviously, because it's not the time or the place, but that will be sad if it happens. And I do kind of expect it to happen. I'm kind of preparing myself. I'm obviously preparing you guys for it as well. So, but yeah, I, I think that's where it stands with Max. There is a, there is an interesting conversation to have about how much it would take to, to sign him and, and if the Braves could feasibly get there. I just, I don't see it. And it's, it's, it was a risky proposition even before he had the elbow stuff this year. And obviously with the elbow stuff this year, it makes it even more complicated. It makes it even riskier. So I could be wrong, but yeah, I don't see Max coming back past his one more year of team control.
And then that, of course, transitions us quite nicely into kind of the next big piece. And that's Charlie Morton, right? Like if you take the last probably four or five years of Braves baseball since really 2019, 2020, you know, obviously Charlie came in 2021 when they won the World Series. But Max was here before that, especially the last three years, 2021, 2022, 2023. You know, it's really kind of been the Max Freed, Charlie Morton era in terms of the rotation. Um, obviously, Spencer Strider has come on like gangbusters in the last, you know, 18 months or so. But it was those two guys who led the team to a World Series in 2021. And those two guys have kind of been the mainstays of the rotation while all the other pieces have kind of filtered in and out. And so, yeah, it's just kind of natural that these two guys are, are kind of the first two that that might be the ones to to really change up the rotation. But I think that's where we're headed because – Obviously, with Max, it's a it's a contractual thing. With Charlie, I think it's more of an age thing. I mean, how much longer does he want to play? Um, he's had a really good season this year, but we got to remember he turns forty years old in November of this year. So, almost immediately after the World Series is over is when he turns forty, and I, I just don't know how much longer he wants to pitch. The Braves hold a, a team option for him next year for twenty million dollars, and. I could see, I could definitely see a scenario where they pick that up, and he maybe wants to give it one more go. But you know, that would be his age forty season. Then he would turn forty-one after that season. It's tough to really project anything past that, right? Like twenty twenty-four. I don't mean to be dramatic about it, but like twenty twenty, there's a very good chance in twenty twenty-four are the last seasons for Charlie Morton and Max Fried. Like it's very, it's a very real possibility that that's kind of where we're headed. And, you know, that's of course significant because these two guys have been such crucial foundational pieces for this team for the last few years. And obviously were the two of the principal reasons they won the world series that they won in 2021. And, but you just look at it kind of objectively with Max and his contract and Charlie being at the age he's, he's at had the career that he's had. I mean, it wouldn't surprise anybody if it wouldn't surprise people if Charlie retired after this year. I mean, there's, it's no guarantee that Charlie's going to want to go through a whole nother season. You know, people may not fully understand how much goes into getting yourself ready to pitch a major league season. I mean, it's quite a bit of work in the off season, especially as you get older, your body just doesn't respond the same way. I mean, these guys really have to do an incredible amount of work just to get ready to pitch a full major league season plus the postseason and, you know, if if they got to the end of this year and, and Charlie if Charlie was just like, you know what, I'm I'm done. I nobody would blame him. I mean, he's certainly made plenty of money in his life. He doesn't need the money. He's had a great career. He's he's won titles. I mean, he's kind of accomplished everything you can accomplish in this in this sport. So, you know, I I think he would probably go one more year. I think the Braves would do one more year. But after that, it's tough to really project with any confidence that come 2025 that the Braves would have either Max Reed or Charlie Morton. And that's really where this question gets most interesting, I think, because when you're talking about the very top of the rotation and obviously the, the emergence of Spencer Strider and to some extent Kyle Wright have, have lessened the severity of this, but still you're talking about two guys who are mainstays in the rotation and have been for a few years now. When you look at a scenario where, a very real scenario, very, I don't, I'm not going to say very likely, but certainly possible where both guys are gone after next year. 
then where does where do they go? Right? Like that's that's kind of the big question. And look, I mean, I can already hear people tweeting at me or, or saying to me, like, you're getting way ahead of yourself. Like, this is not something that we need to think about right now. But like, that's the entire point of this episode is is that we are thinking about it and talking about it right now. We are purposely getting ahead of ourselves. You know, we kind of cover the day-to-day team uh, every opportunity we get. So every once in a while, we're going to look forward a little bit. And that's what we're doing tonight is, you know, we're, we're projecting forward and, and really kind of talking about what's going to happen in the future. And so when you see these two kind of very crystal clear endpoints for two of your mainstays and, and potentially those two endpoints happening at the exact same time, it does get interesting, right? Because when you have to go out and add starting pitching, especially multiple starting starting pitchers in, in like one offseason, that's very difficult to do. It's almost impossible to do, especially when the Braves have very clearly shown they're not going to spend 30 plus million dollars on a player. I mean, they just, they, they have kind of a range that they keep everybody at and starting, starting pitching on the free agent market is just incredibly expensive. And that's just not the, that's not the route Alex prefers to take. So what would they do? You know, are there internal candidates? I think, I think the emergence of, of Hurston Waldrop has to be mentioned here. Because he's going to play a major role if he continues to progress at the rate that he is. And he's progressed very, very quickly to the point where he's already in double A. He's already on Baseball America's top 100 list as one of the best pitching prospects in baseball. You know, he's certainly, if you ask, I think, Alex or anybody in the front office, like he's a piece for the future that they they consider a very real possibility to step into one of these rotation spots, you know, if these two guys leave and... You know him. AJ Smith Shaver is another one that's probably probably their two most regarded, highly regarded pitching prospects. But it's not just those two guys. And this is where we need to talk about the draft a little bit because if you've been paying attention over the last two or three years, you know the Braves are spending I don't know seventy five, eighty percent of their draft on on pitching. I'm sure people that follow the MLB draft have noticed that you know the Braves don't they don't draft a lot of hitters and they haven't drafted a lot of hitters lately. And part of that is because, I mean, hell, half the lineup is more than half the lineup is locked up for like the next decade. So you don't draft towards need. Of course, you always draft best player, but a lot of times best player is actually a tier of players where you could probably take six or seven guys and they would all be in the same tier. And the Braves have, have just leaned heavy pitching and, Part of the reason is because they need to fill, they need to kind of refill those coffers. They don't have a ton of pitching in the minors anymore. They don't really have a ton of anything in the minors. But when you have so many young position players locked up long term, it's obviously not as big a deal to not have those guys in the minors. But on the pitching side, you you just need a ton. I mean, you need a ton of pitching prospects to just get two or three good ones. And, you know, Brad and I talked about this on the show that we did, but. If you're get, if you're going to replace multiple guys in your rotation, then you need 10, 15 plus pitching prospects because a bunch of them are going to get hurt. A bunch of them are just going to, going to not be good, and that's the nature of of pitching prospects. And so that's what the Braves have done. They've really invested a substantial amount of their draft capital the last I would say three or four years on pitching and a, a lot of college arms, a lot of more advanced arms. And when you're talking about a team that is very reluctant to go out and and externally add starting pitching because of how expensive it is, this is a crucial part of the equation is that they are spending 
a substantial amount, a, a vast majority of their draft capital on on starting pitching. And they're obviously doing that in hopes of of kind of refilling that supply line. And, and obviously that's where Spencer Strider came from. He was drafted uh, um, in 2020 and, and arose very quickly and, and obviously became a mainstay in the rotation. And and that's kind of what they're hoping for. And Bryce Elder has has done a very similar thing. And he's not obviously to the level that Strider is, but still he's provided a solid contributor to the rotation. And that's what they're going to need. They're going to need guys to do that because I don't think they're going to go out and spend a ton of money on external options. You know, the one maybe the one caveat to that would be a trade and that's kind of the other means of acquiring talent is you can sign free agents, you can draft them yourself or you could trade for them. And the brave, if you rank the three for the Braves, it would be draft them and then extend them is number one trade for them and extend them is number two. And then sign them to free agent deals is the very, very lowest number three. And so, yeah, I mean, they, they could definitely go out and acquire somebody. I think, I think Alex was hinting at that at the trade deadline that he was pretty aggressively, I think, going out and in, in, in looking for starting pitching at the time. Now he had a very high bar to clear, which he he did say that because of Max Fried coming back and Kyle Wright coming back, that you know they weren't just going to go out and get anybody. They had a they had a high bar, and they wanted if they were if they were going to get somebody, it was going to be somebody of of high impact and probably multiple years of control. But you know, once we get to the off season. And if they kind of look down the line and see the kind of the same things coming that I see coming, I could absolutely see them going and adding some starting pitching, you know, add it, go, go, go try to get a controllable guy that's got multiple years where you could externally fill one of these potential gaps and not have to depend on multiple guys out of your system coming up. And, you know, that's, that's a very risky thing to do is you never know. Even even with really talented pitching prospects, you never know how long it takes. I mean, look at Kyle Wright. It took Kyle Wright probably three or four years of of kind of being at AAA, being up in the majors, not really finding it. It took him a while to really find his spot in the rotation, and that's why most good teams have older pitchers, right? You don't see a lot of really good teams with young, really young rotations. That's that's very rare in baseball. Most, you know, you can do it with young position players, but it's very, very difficult to win at a high level with a really young rotation. And that's why, because it just takes pitchers a long time to, to really find their game. And Kyle Wright's a perfect example of that. So yeah, I could definitely see a scenario where they go out and maybe try to add a guy to bridge the gap to some of these, you know, younger guys that they have coming up. But that's kind of the question, right? Is how, how are they going to play this? And do they see the same things coming down the pike that I see coming, you know, do they view it the same way that I view it or do they view it differently? Do they, are they more optimistic that they could potentially get a deal done with Max? You know, did the elbow thing with Max maybe reduce his price? Does it make it more likely that they will sign him? I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I could be dead wrong about that. The good news is, is that nothing is of extreme urgence, right? Like as of right now, if you look in, to the 2024 season, which is next year. If Morton comes back, if Morton, you know, says I'll do one more year and the Braves pick up that option, then technically the Braves have five starters for next year, right? They have Max Free, they have Spencer Strider. If Morton comes back, they would have Charlie Morton, they would have Kyle Wright, and they would have Bryce Elder all under contract for next year, right? So that reduces the urgency where you don't have to do something immediately. 
And oftentimes the best time to make a move is when you don't have to make the move. And the reason is because inversely, the worst time to make a move is when you absolutely have to do it. You, 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 there's no choice, right? You, you're, you have no leverage. You have no choices. You have no options. You have, you need this now and you just have to take the best deal you can get. And so, you know, I could see Alex using that as an opportunity where the fact that he doesn't actually need, he doesn't have to have a starter for next year. Um, I could see that him using that as an opportunity to actually go get one and go ahead and make that move now. You know, that's, that was kind of the, it was interesting. That was kind of the calculus of, of going to get Sean Murphy in the off season was the Braves didn't need a catcher. I don't know if you guys remember, but they had Sean or they had Travis Darno, they had William Contreras and they had uh, Manny Pena. And that was considered a perfectly usable catching tandem in, in the majors, you know, probably still a top 15 catching group. And, you know, Alex's reasoning behind doing it was, you know, we didn't need a catcher, but you never know once you actually need the catcher, or if, once you need a position, what's out there. So a lot of times it's better just to go ahead and go get it now when it's available than waiting until the day you need it, because the day you need it, it might not be there. Or if it is there, it's going to be twice as expensive as it is now. You know, you just never know. So I am fascinated to see what they do about this rotation, because there are some very clear indications that some big changes are going to have to be made soon, right? And so when do they do it? Or are they really going to lean heavy on these young guys, these college guys, these draft picks? Um, did they make a trade? You know, who were who were the guys the Braves were going after at the trade deadline? Did they try to pick those conversations back up in the offseason? Are there any free agents that pique their interest? Do they dare kind of wade into those waters? What do they do with Max? How aggressive are they going to be with Max? What's Charlie thinking? Is he want to do one more year? Is he is he trying to do the Max Scherzer thing, or he's pitching into his four? You know what's going to happen there, right? How good is Kyle Wright? How good is Bryce Elder? It's just a lot. It's a lot of questions. How good are some of these pitching prospects? You know, this is kind of why I wanted to talk about this because it, it is very interesting. There's a lot of very interesting questions to ask. A lot of things they're going to have to consider. And some of it is coming up pretty quickly. And so how they handle it's going to be fascinating. It's going to tell, you know, it's obviously a huge part of the team. You're, you're talking about the starting rotation and in some levels you're talking about the very top of the starting rotation, at least when, when considering max. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Uh, this is obviously something we will continue to talk about. I'll probably write about this 10 times between now and when it happens, just because it's so interesting to me, but yeah, we'll keep covering it. We'll keep talking about it. And yeah, I think that's going to do it for us. I, I really kind of wanted to dive into just one topic tonight. I think Sean's going to be back starting next week. So you guys will get your normal daily hammer host back and, and kind of we'll all get back to our normal shows again. But I appreciate you guys listening. Come check out the podcast network and we will talk to you guys later. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.